Chapter 9, Part 2 of Woman Suffrage and Politics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Woman Suffrage and Politics The Inner Story of the Suffrage Movement by Carrie Chapman Catt and Nettie Rogers Schuler. The Woman's Hour That Never Came. Part 2 startled by their own victory the women wanted to do something in celebration which would remain forever after in their memories a crowd gathered in the suffrage headquarters and they talked it over but being unable to devise any unique plan someone started praise god from whom all blessings flow and people passing by outside heard a great chorus of song after which the tired workers went home quietly with praise god singing in their hearts informed suffragists derived two convictions from the colorado campaign which stayed with them to the end one that which was achieved in the state would not have been possible had there been no break in party control two that which had been done in colorado could be done in any western state were voters free to vote their own convictions kansas the populist contest in kansas was particularly aggressive and bitter in 1892, the populist swept the state, and the following election was regarded as the test of strength. As both populists and republicans carried planks favoring the submission of a woman's suffrage amendment in their platforms, the legislature of 1873 submitted the question. The Kansas Equal Suffrage Association was one of the most alert in the United States its president mrs laura m johns one of the ablest of presidents a series of county conventions by way of preparation had been held in all the more thickly populated sections kansas was a state where women were trained in politics in eighteen sixty one school suffrage had been extended to women there had been a woman's suffrage referendum in eighteen sixty seven that had aroused public opinion and its effects were still manifest in 1887, the legislature granted municipal suffrage to women. Kansas was a prohibition state, and municipal politics had centered largely upon the enforcement of this law. The women, because they were voters, had been drawn into the party campaigns, and yet, by the exercise of rare good sense, had kept their organization nonpartisan. Mrs. Johns was a Republican but Mrs. Annie E. Diggs, a populist, was made vice-chairman of the Kansas Auxiliary to the National American Woman Suffrage Association. Work without ceasing was now the order of every day. More able, well-trained women were engaged in the campaign than in all the preceding ones put together. All agreed that should the Republican and Populist parties endorse the amendment, as they had the question of submission, there was no possibility of defeat. The Republican convention met on June 6th. The leaders had already decided to throw woman suffrage overboard to save the party. There were no saloons in Kansas, but there were wets. There was also a conservative Southern element, which had come in before the war to make Kansas a slave state. Ex-Governor C.V. Eskridge, an active opponent of woman suffrage since 1867, was chairman of the Committee on Resolutions. Mrs. J. Ellen Foster, a National Republican lecturer, and Mrs. Johns addressed the committee. 
it was reminded that by common admission women municipal voters had kept the state of kansas republican yet committee and convention ignored the amendment the women now awaited the populist convention with dread the populist candidate for governor mr llewellyn declared that he would not stand for re-election on a platform that contained woman suffrage genuine disapproval of woman suffrage there was but it was rendered powerful by the accession of those who feared for the party's safety this convention proved to be one of the most thrilling experiences in the long suffrage struggle the resolutions committee sat most of the night and worn and haggard its members brought in next day a report which omitted the expected suffrage plank there was one woman member mrs eliza hudson who brought in a minority report signed by herself and seven men members then began a parliamentary tilt to keep the minority report from being heard it was however brought to debate and four hours were consumed in as tense and earnest a combat of words as had ever been heard in kansas a negro delegate with halting language declared that woman suffrage would mean party defeat and that in any event women did not know enough to vote this called forth wild and scornful laughter and the floor was dotted with delegates who sprang to the defense of the women voters of the state the minority report was adopted by a vote of three thirty seven ayes to two sixty nine nays but only after it had been amended by the addition but we do not regard this as a test of party fealty suffragists sitting on the platform glad to get even this much of an endorsement applauded the vote whereupon the editor of the chief republican newspaper the topeka capital with eyes flashing hastily left the platform and in the heat of temper indicted an editorial which called upon all republicans to understand that the amendment was now a populist measure and no republican need support it a campaign followed which acquainted women with new phases of american politics jealousy and suspicion were aroused between the parties jealousy and suspicion guided the campaign the populists believed that women in the cities being more numerous than those in the country would make the state republican the republicans held that there being more women in the country than in the cities women voters would make the state populist both were unchangeable no one expected victory to emerge from a situation so utterly unreasonable the amendment was lost by thirty four thousand eight hundred thirty seven votes ninety five thousand three hundred and two ayes and one hundred thirty thousand one hundred thirty nine nays an effort was made to keep a record of the vote by parties and much careful work and tabulation of returns was done the estimated results showed that thirty-eight and a half percent of the republicans fifty-four percent of the populists fourteen percent of the democrats and eighty-eight percent of the prohibitionists voted for the amendment this was the most heart-breaking defeat of the suffrage struggle the majority of the people of kansas were earnest advocates of suffrage as was apparent to anyone making a canvas of the state yet the moral conviction of kansas men had been utterly surrendered to imagined party advantage idaho 
as both populists and republicans had declared for suffrage in their state platforms the submission of a woman's suffrage amendment was passed by the idaho legislature of eighteen ninety five unanimously in the senate and by thirty three to two in the house the national suffrage association made itself responsible for the travelling forces that covered the state during the campaign in august eighteen ninety six four state political party conventions met in boise the republicans splitting into regulars and silver republicans the populists and democrats fusing all four endorsed the suffrage amendment and many of the campaigners of all parties spoke for it the campaign was simple and normal costing only eighteen hundred dollars the amendment carried without organized opposition by a majority of five thousand eight hundred forty four twelve thousand one hundred twenty six four and six thousand two hundred eighty two against california the republican legislature of california carrying out the declaration in its platform submitted a woman suffrage amendment which was voted upon in eighteen ninety six participants have always remembered the campaign as the best conducted liveliest and most enthusiastic of their experience all meetings were crowded jubilant and heartily in sympathy the press was friendly no opposition appeared the hospitable western spirit of freedom for all seemed to control the situation four days before election day the chief republican newspaper the chronicle burst forth in a vituperative frenzy of hostility and used its utmost powers to arouse opposition election day brought the unique sight of chinese voters in pigtails and sandals at the polling booths chinese are denied naturalization by the united states but those born in this country are citizens by the provision of the fourteenth amendment and some five thousand were thus qualified voters faithful watchers reported that these men were rarely informed enough to mark more than one item on the ballot in which case their vote was invariably marked against the amendment when the voter was intelligent enough to mark two items he voted for the mckinley electors and against the amendment the pacific coast and especially california had made a vigorous protest against the fourteenth and fifteenth amendments because of the fear that the chinese under unscrupulous direction would dominate politics and for these reasons the state had rejected the fifteenth amendment by a curious cynicism chinese voters now with the possible knowledge of those who had once protested against them and certainly with the aid of their fellow-partisans directed their votes to deny self-government to american women it was the hour of the chinese the entire state was carried for the amendment with the exception of san francisco and alameda counties eyes one hundred ten thousand three hundred fifty five nays one hundred thirty seven thousand ninety nine majority against twenty six thousand seven forty four the majority against in san francisco county was twenty three thousand seven hundred seventy two in alameda three thousand six hundred twenty seven both counties returned the republican ticket oregon in eighteen eighty two the oregon legislature submitted an amendment which was voted on in eighteen eighty four a notable list of prominent men and women were scheduled to speak and work for the amendment abigail scott dunaway the leader reported that 
suddenly in the midst of the enthusiastic and promising campaign politicians were seized with alarming reticence they ceased to attend meetings made excuses for breaking speaking engagements and dodged their suffrage friends on election day railroad gangs were driven to the polls like sheep and voted against us although eleven thousand two hundred twenty three votes were cast for the amendment it was lost by more than two to one the women were astounded that anyone should care enough about holding them in disfranchisement to pay men to vote against the amendment as had been done they were bewildered too by the discovery that an enemy supplied with money and strong enough to intimidate a political party had been working against their amendment oregon legislatures thereafter submitted woman suffrage amendments in nineteen hundred nineteen o six nineteen o eight nineteen ten and nineteen twelve in each election the women found public sentiment strong and effective but on election day they discovered the presence of the same mysterious foe that had scattered their forces in eighteen eighty four in nineteen o six evidence appeared to indicate its character a secret circular sent out by the brewers and wholesale liquor dealers association of the state to every retail liquor seller fell into the hands of the press and was reproduced in several newspapers it read in part it will take fifty thousand votes to defeat woman suffrage there are two thousand retailers in oregon that means that every retailer must himself bring in twenty-five votes on election day every retailer can get twenty-five votes besides his employees he has his grocer his butcher his landlord his laundryman and every person he does business with if every man in the business will do this we will win we will enclose twenty-five ballot tickets showing how to vote we also enclose a postal card addressed to this association if you will personally take twenty-five friendly voters to the polls on election day and give each one a ticket showing how to vote please mail the postal card back to us at once you need not sign the card every card has a number and we will know who sent it in let us all pull together and let us all work let us each get twenty-five votes yours very respectfully brewers and wholesale liquor dealers association the postcard enclosed for reply was addressed brewers and wholesale liquor dealers association four thirteen four fourteen mckay building portland oregon the reverse side of the card bore this reply dear sirs i will attend to it twenty-five times zero 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 instead of a signature a number was appended despite the publicity given the plan of the brewers the campaign of nineteen o six followed its predecessors to defeat mrs abigail scott dunaway finding the cause in the slum vote another referendum was secured in nineteen o eight but again the brewers assigned to saloons the number of voters necessary to defeat the amendment and again the foreign-born were organized to defeat the native woman's plea for the suffrage it was the hour of the foreign-born in oregon new hampshire one campaign took place in the east during this period 
in nineteen o two new hampshire held a constitutional convention and the suffragists following their custom of appeal to all constitutional conventions conducted a preliminary campaign of preparation which was to culminate in a hearing before the convention the grange of the state was a popular and thoroughly established organization one hundred and forty local granges and all pomona or district granges were addressed before the convention met and one hundred forty five delegates pledged their support the amendment was submitted by a vote of one forty five to ninety two this was in december and the vote took place on march tenth leaving little more than two months for a campaign in a bitterly cold winter yet two hundred meetings were held the total previous vote in the state had not exceeded eighty thousand voters and these voters were circularized material was furnished weekly to the press and seventy-five ministers preached sermons in favor of the amendment so alarmed did the opponents become that an anti-suffrage meeting was arranged on march fourth with rev lyman abbott as chief speaker it was followed by a suffrage meeting the next evening the largest and most enthusiastic of the campaign the amendment received fourteen thousand one hundred sixty two votes for and twenty one thousand seven hundred eighty eight against the state suffragists considered the result excellent for so conservative a state but outside workers had come in contact with a new factor in campaigns the electorate of new hampshire was utterly demoralized by corruption and this sad fact was generally admitted the chairman of the republican and democratic committees both frankly acknowledged that a group of voters called floaters had to be paid even when they voted their own party ticket this completes the roster of the seventeen referenda in eleven different states and brings the suffrage story forward to nineteen ten that year found full woman suffrage established in four states wyoming and utah won in their territorial days and two colorado and idaho won on referendum these four states composing a great territory in the heart of the west stood for fourteen years from eighteen ninety six to nineteen ten like a democratic oasis in a desert of pretension without another acquisition there had been hours for the indian the russian the german the chinese the foreign-born the saloon hours when each had decided the limits of woman's sphere but no woman's hour had come meantime the possibilities of gains for woman's suffrage in the territories had not been overlooked by suffragists territories had the right to grant full suffrage to women by act of their legislatures without a referendum to the voters and many suffrage lecture and organizing tours had been made in the early days into each and all of them wyoming had led the way to victory in eighteen sixty nine utah followed promptly in eighteen seventy the mormons practiced polygamy and defended it as a tenet of the church in eighteen sixty nine george w julian of indiana had introduced a bill to enfranchise the women of utah with the expectation that they would in some undefined manner make an end of polygamy possibly this initiative prompted the utah legislature to enact a woman suffrage measure in eighteen seventy under which the women of utah territory voted for seventeen years observers agreed that they availed themselves very generally of the privilege and voted in the interest of good government 
but they did not eliminate polygamy which was a church and not a state institution in eighteen eighty seven senator edmonds of vermont caused the introduction and passage of a congressional bill to disenfranchise the women of utah in order to strike a blow at polygamy the territory and especially its women made heroic protests in vain utah regarded this act of congress as a discriminatory one and that fact tended to keep alive and to strengthen the suffrage sentiment in the territory after many efforts to secure statehood an enabling act was signed by grover cleveland in eighteen ninety four both parties dominant in the state placed woman's suffrage planks in their platforms and the women presented a memorial to the utah constitutional convention asking that they should be recognized in the constitution their plea was granted the constitution like that of wyoming declares that the right to vote shall not be denied on account of sex the vote of the convention on this clause was i seventy five nays six absent twelve every member signed cleveland affixed the presidential signature january fourth eighteen ninety six and utah was admitted to statehood with woman's suffrage in its constitution the women having been deprived of their vote by act of congress for nine years arizona and oklahoma were the two remaining territories and after the successful utah denouement in eighteen ninety six the organization committee of the national american woman suffrage association promptly marked both for suffrage onslaughts in both there proved to be as frank revelations of the nature of the opposition and its methods as were encountered anywhere along the line of suffrage march in the nineties suffragists were not as familiar with this nature and these methods as they came to be later and they were left gasping by developments on both battlefields in arizona they saw a complete volte face on the part of the council or senate from a strong favorable majority to an insidious opposition that filibustered the suffrage bill of eighteen ninety nine into innocuous desuetude they heard the popping of corks and the clinking of glasses that accompanied the barter and sale of senatorial votes to the proprietors of the prosperous saloons of the state and they were the legatees of the confession of the young president of the council who told them with tears in his eyes that the saloons of prescott had elected him and had made him their attorney that now their representatives not only threatened to repudiate him politically and take from him their legal work but to break him completely if he dared to vote for woman suffrage he was under promise to his mother not only to vote but to work for suffrage he had told his masters of the promise and they had assured him that the blame should be neatly laid upon the committee which would never report the bill and which never did report the bill working in this same devious way the saloons of arizona for eleven years successfully checkmated every effort to secure woman suffrage by territorial legislative act in oklahoma the story was the same almost down to chapter number and line on page there too in the year eighteen ninety nine advocacy of suffrage by legislators changed overnight to opposition there too the saloons worked hard and furiously against suffrage having organized themselves into a saloon keepers league with the purpose of protecting our interests from unjust legislation 
there too corks popped and glasses clinked while the vote for political freedom of women was bartered away and there too in the face of marked evidence that the people wanted woman's suffrage the legislative filibuster checkmated all efforts to secure it for oklahoma women the women of two territories lost the vote through the veto of republican governors one through the decision of a democratic supreme court two through the direct intervention of an organized saloon power and one through an act of congress wyoming alone stood the test of years unchallenged it is clear that the attempts to win the territories were little more effective than the campaigns with state legislatures to get them to submit the woman's suffrage question to the voters of the states territory or state it was the work of a heartbreaking slowness this pitting of suffrage against politics in state and territorial legislatures had there been encouragement from washington republican or democratic the entire west in its territorial days would assuredly have extended the vote to women and would have defended it as gallantly as did wyoming but politics was not yet willing to allow this act of inevitable justice to prevail reviewing this forty years of effort between eighteen seventy and nineteen ten and comparing the carefully filed reports of all the states year after year the suffragists of nineteen ten arrived at some more conclusions one the more favorable public opinion was and the more numerous the pledges of state senators and assemblymen the more certain were suffrage amendments not to pass legislatures two the better the campaign the more certain that suffrage would be defeated at the polls three the majorities which defeated amendments were clearly composed of ignorant americans and foreigners controlled that is organized persuaded or bought by some master mind four the rank and file of men in the dominant parties accepted platforms and tickets as framed by party leaders without question and voted as advised five the average party leader played the game of politics using these voters as pawns and the big stakes were power patronage and graft six the real influence which dictated platforms and tickets were moneyed interests which made gigantic contributions to party treasuries or their candidates campaign funds seven here and there a statesman fair as a star when only one is shining in the sky kept faith with the people the outlook in nineteen ten was dark to win without party support seemed impossible and behind the lack of party support there was now uncomprehending public opinion which had largely lost its earlier zeal for governments by majorities the crucial deduction drawn from all the facts at hand was that public opinion must be made to understand to arise and to exert its power not only to secure justice for women but to save the nation from the threatened peril of elections controlled by invisible influences End of chapter nine part two